Well, we're starting this a little late, but we are in the season of Advent, and uh, <laughs> we are meant to have started this last week, but obviously um, a fair bit going on in our world today, so we're, um, we had to have another little talk last week about a few other things. Uh, but I just want to just speak to uh, some of the stuff out of last week, and then we're going to dive in uh, to um, Advent properly. Um, so thank you so much, everyone, for uh, your engagement on multiple levels out of last Sunday. Uh, I was a, felt a little bit, uh, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word. I was like, yeah, I was like, I think we've heard the Lord, but we'll find out <laughs> whether the church agrees with me or not and our team and all that. And, um, and I actually, after the sermon, just went and sat on the field. Just um, I just went and hid for a little bit. And I was like, Lord, I, I hope we got this right. <laughs> Uh, and because you can't play that card too many times, multiple services in a building. Can't do that like week in, week out. Uh, so we had a wonderful baptism service, an amazing prayer meeting, and this lovely sense of yes and amen through that. Um, but what was amazing is that um, by the end of Sunday, we had um, a pledge of $50,000 from a couple. Uh, we had an offer of a $500,000 interest-free loan from another couple, and as the week's gone on, a number of people have uh, given a number of uh, offering, you know, gifts to the uh, church uh, to um, just as a, you know, like, yes, we want to invest in this. We just believe that God is in this. That is amazing, and, uh, and it's so encouraging, and, and people continue to give, which is great. Um, including a friend of mine um, from the uh, Manawatu who was listening to the sermon online and just like, oh, we just got some unexpected income and just as we heard you think, we just felt, a, a, you know, to give to what you guys are doing. And I was like, man, this guy doesn't even come to our church. And he's like, you know, I'm like, oh, this is so, so cool. Um, and so there was a sense out of that of like, yes, like a real collective yes and amen that God is in this. And so we're going to begin a journey uh, of faith, uh, the small, uh, well, really, obedience and faith as a community. And I really mean that. Um, so the plan is, is out, of, uh, out of that kind of collective discernment together, that next year we'll, uh, we'll have an intentional time where we talk about raising some funds and, uh, and have an offering Sunday of some description before Easter next year. Probably we're still talking as a team around how that's going to look. Um, and just spend some time praying and fasting into that. And, um, and I'm just going to repeat this every time we talk about it. Like, the thing with beginning to take a journey towards a building is that it can turn into a real distraction and a bit of a nightmare, you know, and no one wants that. And a real kind of heavy thing of like, you know, we're not, that's not going to be the vibe, okay? It's obedience and faith. And so what does that mean for you is that all I'm asking is that you seek the Lord in faith and that you're obedient, and for some of you, the step of, of faith and obedience will be like 50 bucks. It'll be like, you know what? The Lord's calling you to contribute $50. And like, do you know how, how that'll make God feel? Just how blessed he'll be at your obedience and your faith and how beautiful that is? Because it's not about, you know, uh, people getting treated differently or, or whatever because of how much they can actually invest into this stuff. It's literally about a, a journey of obedience and faith. So there's not gonna be pressure but we've sensed the Lord say yes. And so we're going to take a journey of obedience and faith together. And uh, I'm going to speak into this a fair bit next year because I've done this journey a couple of times. And partly I was like, oh Lord, I really need to know this is you because it is a spiritual battle to take territory, to take geography and say that is a kingdom place now. Like there's a spiritual battle. So I'm like, 
we've got to know that this is the Lord and we're going to pray and we're going to fast and all the rest of it. But then when you step out in faith, he does miracles. He does miracles. And I've seen this happen so many times. So I'm filled with faith because I've, we've had a few rounds in the ring when it comes to these sorts of journey, uh, sort of journey before. But um, I'm really grateful that there was a sense of a collective yes and amen and a discernment of that. And a whole lot of... Whole, I mean, the, all, just about every tradie coming up to me saying, bro, we're in here, bro, you know, let's work it out, you know, and it's sort of like, just across the board, the sense of, and so the Lord, everyone's got a part to play in this. You know, some people would be really praying and interceding. Some people have got a lot of wisdom to offer on some stuff. Some people have got the skills and trades and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I'm going to be inviting all of us to work out what it looks like financially for us to play our part. But this is a journey that the Lord has called us to. The Israelites went through this. Every church you drive past, someone's taken this journey. And people have uh, invested in the things of the kingdom. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting how, how it all plays out. I love that in an age of skepticism, cynicism, often towards the church, and a time of division and polarization in our society, society, we're moving forward in unity and in faith, and it's like, oh, I just think this is so exciting, uh, so we're going to be uh, doing that. Um, Steve at our prayer meeting on uh, Sunday night just had this um, picture of us as a church being on a wave. Now, if you know Steve, he's not a surfer, he's not your typical kind of surfy type, but this lovely sense of the, the God has put us on, the, on this wave of God, and as a church and as leadership, we just we navigate staying on the wave of God. And if uh, we fall off the wave, there's a whole lot of work to paddle back out and try and catch the next wave. But we're, so this, for us, it's just we love your prayers around what does it look like to ride the wave well in terms of what God's doing right now. And one of the ways just we want to keep staying on the wave is that this Tuesday night, uh, next slide please, uh, Joel. Uh, we're going to have a building interest gathering. Uh, now we've named this intentionally a building interest gathering because we started a whole church with interest gatherings and so this is kind of 2.0. Uh, so we would love to invite anyone uh, to come along on 7.30 at the Engaged Church Lounge um, this Tuesday evening. And, and this is like if you've been through building, oh, have you seen the Bay Vineyard logo on the, yeah, so <laughs> again, faith, uh, you might as well name it, claim it, sort of vibe there. That's what it could look like. Uh, <laughs> so if you've been involved uh, in a building thing before, if you've got experience with leasing or building, uh, tradies, I'd love to have you there. If you've been involved in raising finance before, if you're just passionate about this, I'd love to invite you to join us this 7.30 p.m. We're going to chat. We're going to just pray. We're going to get some collective wisdom. Uh, we're just going to really just continue to pray into what this is going to look like. So we'd love to invite you to that. All good? Cool. Let's move on to Advent, <sighs> about time. So uh, I'm going to post on our private Facebook page a link to a wonderful Advent devotional, but I've also just over here, I've got another thing from Laidlaw College that's got a bit of a guide through the seasons of Advent. We are a week behind, so we're going to be playing a little bit of catch up. But this morning, I really want to speak to uh, this whole idea that Advent is a time that reminds us of the hope that we have as followers of Jesus the hope that we carry. And uh, I was listening to a wonderful uh, pastor called Brian Zahn this week, and he said this, we live in a very secular age. We live where, in a time where the sacred has been pushed to the periphery. And to keep the sacred at the center of your life is a heroic act of defiance against the spirit of the age. We might shut that door if you don't mind, Blair. Um, so basically, here's what Brian Zahn is saying. I'm trying to get everyone's attention here, our eyes here, church. The church and its wisdom over the years has gone, uh, there are certain events in the life of Jesus that are so significant and so 
they have such an impact on our life if we meditate on them that we need to cycle through these moments in Jesus' life uh, just over and over again throughout the whole year. And, uh, and so Zand was saying, like, and we live in this kind of time where like all of anything sacred is just being pushed to the margins. And for us to keep the sacred at the center of our lives, I love this, is a heroic act of defiance against the spirit of the age. It's a holy rebellion. Because it's like spirituality vibes are not enough. You know, m- much of today there's this kind of spirituality vibe with the sprinkling of some wellness techniques. And it's like that's just not enough for a follow- committed follower of Jesus who wants to walk into the deep, abundant, rich life that's found in him. He's like, we need something more rigorous. We need something more focused. We need something that will draw from the deep wells of ancient wisdom and practice. And that's what we find in the great tradition of the church. We tap into this as a church. We're like, we, we humbly come under the wisdom of the, of the church throughout the, the centuries. And the church uh, throughout the age has had a calendar. And it's not the calendar of the West, it's the calendar of Jesus. And Advent is the beginning of our new year as we once more cycle through the life of Jesus and as we remember these key events. And so we at Bay Vineyard, uh, to give us structure to what we focus on and talk about, we come under this wisdom and we let this rhythm form us and shape our imagination about the life of Jesus and what it means to follow him. And so we find ourselves in the Christian New Year, Happy New Year. We're in Advent together, uh, and we begin afresh by looking at the life of Jesus and waiting, waiting in expectation for him. Advent moves towards Christmas but Advent is not, like Christmas is the resolution. The season of Advent is the season of longing. Oh, Lord, you've got to come. Oh, Lord, where are you? Oh, Lord, this is tough. We need you to, to, to intersect our lives and to break in and to do something. Advent, Christ, Christmas is the great resolution of the anticipation of Advent. And like some super strict churches, like they hold back on the carols until Christ, like the week of Christmas. Like Fleming Rutledge, one of the great New Testament scholars and preachers and, and one, the voice really for Advent devotionals and that sort of thing, she doesn't put up Christmas decorations until the week leading up to the actual day. Because she's like, no, this is a season of longing. Now, we've got all the kids in here and stuff, and so we're... we're you know, like in Pirates of the Caribbean, they say it's more of a vibe than a rule. So for us, the whole chicken, more of a vibe than a rule because it's more about, you know, it's like going for the kids and everything. But of course, we, we want to begin celebrating. But actually, the voice of Advent is a, a voice of longing, um, and which is kind of weird because in our culture, even though it's been a brutal year, there's this kind of thing of like, oh man, we just want to kind of lean into a time of celebration and feasting and gift giving and singing and all around good times as well as a whole stack of stress. Who's done their Christmas shopping yet and who's stressed out there and who's looking at their finances, trying not to pick up the cigarette habit again and all that sort of thing. It's like, man, this is full on. Um, And the church intentionally is trying to put the reins on and say, not yet wait, hold it. This is the time where we wait and we long. Um, because the church, the, sorry, that wasn't an emotional thing. It was just a burp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the church knows that the birth of Jesus wasn't and isn't the end of the story. And actually, we know that the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and Pentecost and the mission of the church right now wasn't at the end of the story. 
We aren't at that point yet where God has made everything new. God has stepped in in Jesus and through the cross and the resurrection, that kingdom is broken in and we have access today to walk, to boldly approach the throne of grace, which is why we take, thank goodness we're back to taking communion every week. We remember the central tenets of the gospel, but we also long for him to return in glory and bring the work to completion. And the church is called to be the body of Christ, the, the people of the kingdom, that as Jesus taught us to pray, say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That sense of the rule and reign of God breaking into the world today. And we have glimpses of it and we experience moments where we're like, this is the way it's meant to be. But there's so much of life that still, this isn't, this is not the way it's meant to be. So Advent is that longing, not only do we celebrate Jesus has come, God has stepped into our world, what humility, what servant-heartedness, but not only that, but we like, and he will return in glory, hallelujah. Like Advent has its eyes firmly fixed on the second coming of Jesus. He is going to return in glory. And now uh, we're going to, as I've said, I've been dropping teasers for a lot, term two next year, we're working our way through the book of Revelation to try and just uh, get some clarity and, and at this time uh, around like what is the hope that we carry and what's that book all about. Um, but regardless of whatever way you think it's going to play out, it's like he's going to return in glory, hallelujah. And that's where uh, most uh, liturgical churches have this lovely moment where they say Christ has, every Sunday, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And, uh, and uh, man, I just all these Anglican roots of mine coming out more and more, which is interesting because I was so bored of the Anglican church when I don't have my teenage years, but now I can see the rich depth and all of it. You know, these sort of lines that are in my DNA because I repeated them every week. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Uh, glory to you, Lord God. Your death we show forth, your resurrection we proclaim, your coming we await. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but, but, the, um, but that longing that God would heal the world, like bring the work to completion, that's, that's been weighing on me a lot in the last couple of years. Looking around, seeing all the pain and the division and all the stuff going on and all the complexities as we've tried to lead our church through this. And there's been like an ache in my heart. Oh, would you come back? Would you please just, there'd be a lot less work for me, you know, if you did, but you know, just like, would you, we just long, Lord. To, and you know, that longing is what spurs us into mission. Like, I'm like, if you get to know people in Marae Nui, it'll break your heart. And you, and you should rightly feel that's not the way it's meant to be. You've got friends, I'm sure, going through hell, that's not the way it's meant to be. You've got all this. And, and so how do we respond as the body of Christ to those things that break our heart? We walk towards them, empowered by His Spirit, saying we are going to see God's kingdom break into that suburb or that family or that life. We are here as bringers of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And you just start seeing it begin to pop. You, Cherie's baptism last week, it was like this is the kingdom breaking in <laughs> into all this brokenness and all this pain and there's God's grace and mercy and life and hope and future breaking into a, to a life that's like, oh man, hungry for it. Now, that's the way it's meant to be. At church camp, now we're not sure how church camp's going to look next year because we've got to just wait for what the government decides to say next week and the week after that. So who knows what's going to happen. But, but you know, I remember at church camp, I'm like, this is the way it's meant to be. Just worship and fellowship and joy and food and laugh. You know, like this is the way the world's meant to feel. And everyone's invited to this party. This is the way. But, but so often we have to wait. 
It's like they're waiting. And most of us will have some area of our life, whether it's a relationship or where you're just, you're like, there's a waiting. Lord, I want to, I need to see some breakthrough here. Oh, Lord, I want to see them come to faith. Oh, Lord, we need healing here. Oh, Lord, we need provision for this. We're feeling, you know, we've got Christmas. You think you've got it tough? Just sorry, just while we're on the subject. It's Ash's birthday on Monday. My brother just had his engagement party. Then it's his birthday, my brother-in-law's birthday. And then Pete's getting married before Christmas. And then we've got Christmas. And then we've got Eli's birthday. And then we've got Jen's birthday. Come on. Let's pass the buckets around, actually. <laughs> and so we can be this whole thing of stress, and we're just waiting. It's like, what's going to... And so much of the Bible is people waiting. Lord, you've got to come. You look at the life of Joseph. He gets promised these dreams, but then the Lord refines him in the waiting. He gets sanctified in the waiting. Moses gets called to lead the Israelites out, but he's got 40 years of preparation in the desert of Midian before leading the Israelites into 40 years in the desert waiting for the promised land. I said this before, if anyone in heaven deserves a house next to the lake, next by the sea with a waterfall and a pool, it's Moses after all he went through in the desert. You know, it's like so much of life is waiting and so much of the Bible is this expectant waiting. And that's what hope is. Biblical hope is the correct posture in your heart that says, I am waiting and I am longing, but that is not in vain because I know in whom my hope lies. Right? Me and Andy, oh, Andy's, oh, there he is. I mean, man, talk about how much of life is waiting when you're a dad, you know? It's like married to a wife that doesn't like to rush out the door of a social scenario. Like me and Andy are sitting in the car waiting patiently, uh, and we didn't even have the kids with us. Like, we were all just geeking out on the way there. Like, man, how easy was it to walk out of the house and go on this trip to my brother's engagement party? That was So we're so used to waiting for the kids and then waiting for the wife. And, you know, and on, how much of our lives are just waiting for this stuff? And this is where the hope that we have is a deep hope. It's not just some candy floss movie-esque hope, it's a hope that has weathered some storms. This is like in Romans 5, we've talked about this a couple of times, but this passage is so interesting, particularly with the pressure that most of us have been under in the Western world right now. Romans 5 verse 3, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that's, and then Paul talks about the suffering we go through is so precious, like we glory in it because of the way that it transforms us. Like how are we changed? It's through difficult times of waiting and longing and like this is tough. That's what transforms you from glory to glory. That's when God does his deepest work in you. And, you know, I've said this a million times. We are in a desert season as a global church, and there's all stuff in the world going on that would indicate we're in a tough patch, particularly for the church. But it's a gift. It's a gift. What he's forming in us is so incredible because it forms perseverance. It forms character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul's like, you go through all that stuff, and if you do it with Jesus as your guide, you will come out with a greater godly character, a greater faithfulness, but also you'll have a hope because you would have experienced the love of God being poured into your heart through those tough times. Like that's the sort of hope we're talking about, hope that's gone through some stuff. My favorite Christians are people, you know, I'm like, a lot of them are at my, our prayer meeting. I look around the room and I get very moved sometimes. I'm like, these people have gone through some stuff, man. 
They've gone through some stuff and here they are, so hopeful, praying prayers of faith, sacrificing their time and interceding in the spiritual battle. For It's this hope that's in God. And what's incredible is that Advent really taps in uh, to this time in Israel's story where they're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for the Messiah. But when you read some of the prophetic, the, the, the voices of the prophets in that waiting time, in an exile, again, like you think we're going through a tough time as a culture. Imagine if Australia had invaded us and then exiled us, you know? And it's like, oh man, we've got the Australian government and we're all having to, you know, live in wherever and they're in charge. It's like a whole another level of nightmare. Even that doesn't do it justice, to be fair. It is a horrific thought. Uh, you know, it's they're in this exile. Their whole nation has been like just destroyed, and they're there trying to hold on to faith and hope through this. But listen to the, the, the Lamentations, right? What a beautiful name of a book. In the middle of this book of Lamentations, this book of grief, of mourning, of pain, of longing, there's this hinge, hinge scripture in Lamentations 3. Listen. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is written from a place of pain and suffering. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is what Advent taps in. Like we cycle through Advent every year because this is the human story. Just sitting there like, oh, but you know what? In this place, this is where I'm going to put my hope. This is where I'm going to choose to look. There's, some, there's even more decadent promises in the prophets. In Isaiah chapter 25, again, written uh, in exile. And it says this in chapter, verse, uh, chapter 25. It says, on this mountain, and then just think of, the, think of Calvary. Uh, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. I love like how often in the Bible, just this is, you know, I love how often the kingdom of God's compared to a banquet. I'm like, if you want your imagination to get fired up and get real frothed on what the kingdom of God's about, banquet, baby. It's like, oh man, banquet. I'm pumped about my brother's wedding. Like, yeah, I'm celebrating their love and all the rest of it, but I'm pretty pumped because there's going to be a banquet there, baby. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. And, it, and like, honestly, like Jesus has said, like, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. So I'm at every wedding now because I'm trying to again just look at the world with a biblical lens and have a sacramental worldview and just to sit in it. I'm going to be sitting at my brother's wedding just going, this is what you had in mind when you said this is what the kingdom of God's like. And the laughter and the food, and it's just like there's just, it's just an overflow of great stuff. Do that this Christmas if that's a good vibe for you. Sometimes it can be a real tricky vibe, I understand that. But if you're in a wherever, you know those moments I just would love us to be going, this is what the kingdom's meant to feel like. How can we get this feeling in Marai Nui? How can we get this feeling into that family that's struggling? This is what the kingdom of God feels like. And on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nation. They're like, that separation from God. Oh, I've got my notes on there. It's been destroyed on the cross. <laughs> that cut and paste didn't work, I've just realized. <laughs> and then listen, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. This is written before the cross. 
Like Isaiah's writing this saying, there's gonna be a day when that separation between us and God's been removed. Now we're living on the other side of Jesus' work on the cross. So this feeling in the room now, which is normal for us of the presence of God being in this place, that was not normal back in the day. You had to go through all sorts of ritual sacrifice and cleansing rituals to come into the temple to be cleansed yourself, to be holy enough to get near the presence of God. And now he's just poured out his grace and removed that shroud so that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our hour of need. So that we as a people now can just, just you know, have our hearts barely awake because it's an earlier service or whatever. And, it's like, and, lift, and God just runs to us and his presence is in this place. Like this, but these guys are writing this with this incredible longing in their hearts. In the NCV version, the translation, it says, He will take away the shame of his people from the earth. Like how many of us struggle with shame? And so, no, God has come to set you free from shame. You don't have to carry that anymore. And the journey of the, of the Christian life is actually believing in the gospel, that it's true. And if it's true, I rebuke that feeling in Jesus' name. I don't have to feel that. Even though I've psychologically got some neurological pathways that have formed that, that make me feel the shame all the time, I'm used to feeling it, I've trained my brain to feel the shame. You can start rewiring your brain, be transformed by the renewing of your mind by rebuking that shame that you've felt for so long because of your history or whatever, the vulnerabilities in your humanity led you to do some stuff or whatever. And you can be free. And so again, there's this longing in the Scriptures for this. And then verse 9, on, the, on that day they will say, surely this is our God. Can you hear the longing? They haven't seen this yet. But surely this is our God, and we trusted in Him, and He saved us. This is the Lord, we trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Just this incredible hope that the prophets gave the people as they waited for the Messiah to come. And this is why Advent's so important for us, because we still live with that longing. Come, Lord Jesus, I need you to break into my life. Eugen Maltman, uh, famous uh, New Testament scholar, he said that hope uh, is anticipated joy and anxiety is anticipated terror. An interesting description of what these things are. Anxiety is this sort of anticipation of like, oh, this is going to be really horrible. And, you, and the, you know, interesting thing, animals don't really deal with anxiety issues. Have you noticed that? It's sort of like, oh, yeah, my cat's like, oh, yeah, sweet, some food's just been, you know, and it's sort of like they're not having existential crises, you know, about some foreseen uh, future that hasn't come through yet. <laughs> um, but, but we have this capacity to imagine our future. And often we can be, we can be filled with anxiety and we can feel the feelings of a hypothetical situation. It can fill us with anxiety. And I, I'm not, we've done our mental health thing, you know, we're trying to normalize that whole conversation. This isn't to condemn anyone. I've struggled with some anxiety in my time, you bet. But I love the picture of hope as anticipated joy. So it's like, yeah, I'm not there yet, but I, I, my hope's in the Lord. So there's a sense for me where I, there's a, I'm anticipating some joy. And I want to dwell on that in this, like even in the longing, we're not there yet. There's anticipated joy. Like with our building, I'm hopeful. Like we've got a long way to go. 
I don't know how this is going to, we all know. I just was like, I would just desperately love to jump in a DeLorean and just like dial it in for a couple of years and work out what our church looks like. And God hasn't let me do that. And I really wanted to hop in a DeLorean and work out what our church was going to be like because I was very, I was like, I was hopeful, but I didn't know what it was going to feel like. Who were the people? And uh, wound up with you guys, so, you know, <laughs> no jokes. Uh, but I'm like, man, I'm, you know, there's going to be a day, friends, because of what the Lord's doing and leading in us, where we will get together for the first time in our our new facility. I'm anticipating that joy. And you know, every single person that's walked in faith and obedience is gonna be standing there going, we're in here because I played my part. I gave my 50 bucks or I gave my 100 bucks or someone's given 50K, someone's in 500, like there's all sorts of stuff going on. But everyone, it's like, no, I'm, I'm anticipating that joy. So I'm hopeful because I know what the Lord's doing in our midst. Um, And here's the hope that we have. Ours is a hope that Jesus will make a difference in the lives of our friends. So like I've got some anticipated joy of future baptism services that we're going to have next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. You know, they're like people that are becoming Christians and they weren't a Christian a couple of years ago which means that in a couple of years, there are Christian, people that aren't Christians right now, they're going to be Christians one day, <laughs> hanging out in this crew, right? Just that, that's what God does. So like in a year's time, there'll be some other people, some other cats part of our church who right now, I don't know what they're doing, they might be a bit hungover or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, how sick is that? You know? Yeah, Caleb, bro, you this time last year, you know, it wasn't happening. It was like, no, he's, Caleb's in church now because he led him to the Lord four months ago. And it was like, this is sick. This is what God does. I've got anticipated joy of more of those stories filled with hope. Ours is a hope that, that we've been given the Holy Spirit to perform wonders in our communities that we're involved in and where the love of Christ will be through, seen through our deeds. We're already doing some stuff, but it's like, man, we're filled with hope about what the future's gonna look like. Ours is a hope that, uh, that we have this faith in Jesus and we have this assurance that we're gonna go to heaven when we die and that one day heaven will return to earth, Hallelujah. <laughs> that we are his new creation, that we are his chosen people, that we are heirs to his throne, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are salt of the earth, that we are to make visible, a visible difference to the world today. That's the hope that we carry. Ours is a hope that Jesus is making my life better, not worse. Like there's a cost. It's like there's a costly hope. Following Jesus is a narrow way in a secular age in which we live. But man, it leads to the deep, rich life of Jesus. And I look back over the last couple of years, probably last, well, some, last five years, we planted the church three and a half, four years ago, whatever it was. And I'm like, man, I feel like I've been in this massive, like, like boot camp of refinement where God is like, I've changed more in the last four or five years, I think, than the last 10 years before that combined. You know, I'm like, I'm like I love what he's doing. <laughs> like, it's not easy. Fair bit, you know, fair bit of pain through that and like realizing I'm a bit more of a Muppet than I thought I was and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. But it's like, oh my gosh, if you keep doing this, you know, my dream, I've said this publicly so many times, my dream is that I'll turn into my grandfather, who was the most godly man I've ever met. And you've all got those people in your imagination as well. And the, the other day at my 40th, the most beautiful thing someone said to me is, Sam, you're tracking in the right direction. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, maybe I'm filled with hope. I'm going to be a really, really nice old person. Isn't that cool? People freak out about getting older. I'm like, I can't wait. If I'm going to turn into a really nice, oh, I just love those sort of people. We've got some of them in our church. It's amazing. This is the hope that we have. 
He's, to, he's able to, to, uh, to free me and set me free and transform me from glory to glory. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. It's throughout the whole scriptures. And in his word, I put my hope. Where do you put your hope? You know, some people put their hope in money, that they can somehow manage their lives and get enough where they can control their lives. I was talking to my dad uh, yesterday, and he was hanging out with some extraordinarily wealthy people down south, just eye-wateringly rich. And he said, man, but the pain they've gone through in their lives. I'm like, money doesn't protect your kids from making decisions that will break your heart. Money can't control that, you know what I mean? So I'm like, where do I put my hope? I'm going to put my hope in Jesus. So I'm going to pray every day for my kids. <laughs> Lord, protect them. Lord, watch over them. That's, I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning. More than the watchman wait for the morning. This is a foreign experience to us, but what does it look like to wait all night guarding something? Because that's your job. Well, it it's probably feels like the hours go pretty long, but I love the confidence they have that the sun will rise again. There's just a guarantee that sun's going to come up. So he's saying, my hope, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. The watchmen wait for Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. So in the midst of all of this, we, uh, we, Advent is a time of the, feeling the ache of longing for the, where things are not the way they're meant to be. But we hold on, like hope, the, the themes of Advent, of Advent are love, joy, peace, and hope. So these beautiful things are formed in the waiting. They're formed in the longing. They're formed in the desert. They're formed in exile. It's like that is where we discover that these treasures that God gives us, that our soul can, can feel the stuff even when our circumstances, we haven't arrived yet in terms of where we know God's calling us to go. But we can still just sit with that. What a gift. That through the biggest trials, you can know hope and love and peace and joy. That sounds like a miracle from God. Where he could, that's the only He could do that in my soul. And here's, this is the gift that we are to offer the world right now is that in the midst of all the turmoil that we could bring hope and soothe the wounds of our culture and say, you, don't, like, you've tried putting your hope in so much other stuff. Let's put our hope in the right place, in the Lord. And this hope is multi-leveled. Yes, it's for areas of your life where you're like, I have not seen yet what I believe God has promised me. Or what I just, well, this is not right. This is not the way the kingdom looks. And so there's some stuff. So this morning, we're going to give the opportunity to second, just be like, is there something where you're like, oh man, this is tough. And this morning, in a sense, where the Holy Spirit would come and fill you with fresh hope as you look to Him. And just that, but also, the kind of the safety net of what undergirds all of this is the hope we have that one day He will return in glory. And the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And the way it's meant to be, like that'll be the way it always is. Genesis 1 through to Revelation 21 and 22. Instead of a garden, it's a city and, and heaven is reunited with earth the way it was always meant to be. That's the great hope that we have. That's the, the eschatology we hold on to. Uh, 
So I want to finish with this. I want to play this video. Most sermons over the next couple of weeks are going to have a little video component as we come into land. Because t- I'm always on the lookout for like what is, sometimes there's, a, there's like a, some, there's a video that just captures what this is all about. And this is one of these videos. Um, you may have seen this before. It went viral a number of years ago. Uh, there's an outfit in Israel that uses mass singing events to bring unity in that very divided land. And this is one of these moments where they got 3,000 Muslims and Jews together who had never met before. And the idea is that these diverse strangers would sing together. And the group learned uh, this music in an hour that you're about to watch and then sung it in English, Arabic, and Hebrew. So it's not a Christian song. Um, and, the, and you'll notice a few hippies in there. Uh, so, you know, chill out. You know, you'll, be, you'll be all right. Um, but, but what I love about it, it is the most incredible picture of Advent, of hope, of longing. And the song's called One Day. And they're like, one day our children will play together. There'll be no more war. One day. But the beautiful thing about it is that in that moment as they express that longing, they're actually living it. It's a prophetic picture of what they're looking for. And this is what the church is called to be. And we are. We're doing very well here, friends. Rub yourself on the head and pat yourself on the back. It's like in a divided world, we can give the world hope. It doesn't matter your views on all sorts of other stuff. You can be friends and united around Jesus and deeply love one another. This is a prophetic picture of the hope that we have and and what we long to bring into all of society. So so it's a couple of minutes long. Let's check this out and then we'll um, wrap it up in a second. 